KCI Kindled, creating space for meaningful dialogue, a podcast brought to you by Gunawage Collective Impact. The goal of this podcast is to open up a safe space for community members to have conversations about current social issues, both inter-community and global issues, culture and heritage, and language. This space encourages respectful expression of different opinions and perspectives. The opinions and perspectives expressed belong to the guests of the show and do not represent the views of Gunawage Collective Impact or KSES Gunawage. This episode's discussion contains sensitive subject matter. Please listen with discretion. Have you ever been gaming or working online classes and your internet service constantly gets interrupted? First Nations Fiber is about to ensure that just won't happen again. Get ready for high speed at a new level. Click on fnfiber.com and sign up today. First Nations Fiber, empowering people through connectivity. Hey everybody, we're here. We're back with the KCI Kindled podcast, creating space for meaningful conversation. We haven't been here in a while. Our last episodes were more like in January and uh, we sort of took a bit of a hiatus. So I want to give a little bit of a backstory about why we're restarting the series and the direction that we're going into. So this podcast series is actually going to be a collaboration with KSES Gunawage and Gunawage Collective Impact. And the idea is that we are still taking whatever social issues that we face here in Gunawage, creating a space to talk about it, creating a dialogue for some things that maybe don't always get some, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You guys could hop in if you have exposure. exposure. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So that's the idea here. Uh, we had a first meeting to kind of just brainstorm a couple of different ideas. And we went through a lot of things like there's some family issues, there's other Gunawage issues. And then this topic of men's health came up. And even though we had people in the room from different areas of uh, service, men's health completely took over the conversation. And we spent like a good two hours just talking about different issues in men's health. So then from there, um, we have Brent Beresford here from KSES had organized a separate meeting to just specifically hammer out what kind of topics and ideas about men's health that we could create a series on, because clearly this was a topic that needed to have some exposure. <laughs> so we spent another two or three hours just, I, I sat in there just as a listener, taking some notes, because as like, as a woman, not my place to really comment on men's health issues, because they're not my issues. So I just, we sat around in a circle. There was like men in the circle from different areas of uh, KSES, community members, uh, some from, anyway, the dialogue was just a purely genuine, this is what we face type of dialogue. And it was incredible, all the issues and the topics that came up. So our first series back from our, our bit of a hiatus is going to be concentrating on men's health. So I just want to introduce the guests that I have for this first episode. We have Walter Whitebean. Hello, hello. Uh, can you just kind of state who you are? Yeah, I'm uh, Walter Whitebean. I'm a youth support worker at KSES. So I mainly deal with the youth who age out of foster care, group homes, institutions, and things like that, and, and kind of help get them on their feet and, and help them get more independent and reconnected with the uh, community. So I was brought on board almost a year ago and I definitely love my job and it has a lot of uh, twists and turns and that's part of it and that's part of why I like it. Cool and you're also a dad right? 
Yeah, my dad. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like forever, but yeah, I've been, uh, I have four kids at home. Uh, one of them is no longer a kid and she should be moving out soon, I think. <laughs> well, fingers crossed. But, um, but yeah, she, she's definitely independent. She, you know, during COVID, she got her own job and she's been working forever. And um, she's a teacher now and she's going to be going back to school and she's doing a lot of great things. Then my other kids, one just started high school this year and the other two are still in elementary school. So they keep me on my toes uh, along with all my coaching duties and, and things like that, too. So busy, busy household. Um, and we also have uh, Brent Beresford. I kind of gave him a bit of an intro already, but maybe you could introduce yourself. Yeah. So I'm working at KSCS as well. I work in the psych services team. I'm a psychologist on the team, although I don't like saying that because I don't trust a lot of psychologists. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm, I'm accompanying people in therapy, but also have, you know, some, some, I guess, supervisor things that I'm, that I'm doing and a part of a part of the hope is projects that I'm that I'm a part of to help to create some some space around the the ways that we accompany people like things that are looking a lot less colonized yeah bridging bridging some 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 gaps between western ways of doing things and and the ways of this community so yeah also a full-time father <laughs> Mine are definitely not adults yet. <laughs> Thank goodness. Yeah, and I do some teaching mindfulness and dharma things uh, outside of outside of all that. Awesome. I actually, well, because we kind of just for, met recently, right? So we're still acquaintance level. So I didn't know that. And we have John Daibo. Hi. <laughs> so my name is John Daibo. I am the, I guess you can say, head coach and director at Gunawage CrossFit. And um just working there, basically what I have to do is teach people how to be strong physically, mentally. And I mean, it sounds a little hardcore saying that like out loud, but, you know, dealing with teens, adults and, and seniors as well. Uh, so I, I deal with people a lot too, very similar to the, to the jobs that these, these dudes have. <laughs> yeah, it's still, it's all a part of taking care of people, right? Like that's mm -hmm. kind of like the common thread and it just, it happens in so many different ways and different levels so it's all we all kind of work together for the same goal happier healthier stronger community mm -hmm. okay so well my name is karina peterson i've i'm not sure if i even introduced myself at the beginning <laughs> <laughs> but i've been the host of all the all the episodes so far so i work for gunawage collective impact i'm a communications coordinator but i also am a cheerleader for community projects and I'm always kind of giving myself, uh, I'm putting myself out there to help out in any way I can. I'm an advocate for youth. I also work at Gunawagi CrossFit as well. So I'm, we're kind of like in the same business of helping people. And that's me. Uh, so this first episode, when we were talking, literally one of the first things that came out in that brainstorm session was this idea of vulnerability. And I think, I don't know who said it, but somebody said that men have a difficulty in showing vulnerability in general, but especially around women. So right off the bat, that's like legit the first thing that came out of. That might have been me that brought that up. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I brought up the story of, of driving my daughter to, to school and she was just out of the blue looked at me and said, I've never seen you cry. Do you cry? And I'm like, yeah, yeah I, I do. And I thought back and I'm like trying to think back like. 
okay, I actually never did cry in front of her. Like, that's odd, you know? I mean, I don't cry often, but it happens, right? Uh, like, I'm not like my wife where she watches a movie and she starts bawling right away. And like, she watched it a hundred times <laughs> and she's me. still bawling, you know? And I'm like, <laughs> what's wrong with you, you know? But yeah, I, I, I thought about it. And I'm like, okay, I, I, I didn't, you know? And I'm, I'm like, well, it's not like it was on purpose. You know what I'm trying to explain? Like, you know, you know, boys do end up crying, you know? And it's just something that happens. And I said, it's, I don't know, it just... It kind of hit me differently because I realized I didn't. And I'm like, hey, wait, did I ever cry in front of my boys before? Or, you know, I have two sons. So I'm like, I don't think so, you know. Um, so it's it's definitely something that I that I brought up. Like, we got to talk about vulnerability and, and crying in front of your wife or your girlfriend or anybody, you know. Like, I don't even know if I cried in front of my mom, you know. So it's... Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty big one. Mm -hmm. And you're, you you have a big family though, right? There's a lot of siblings oh, in your yeah. household. I got a million siblings and even more uh, nieces and nephews. I think there's like 26 total now. So there's, a, there's I got a huge family. So there's always somebody crying, but it's usually the girls. <laughs> <laughs> it's usually the girls. So yeah. like as a, as a woman, I'm one of those people who cry if a commercial gets a little sentimental, like a Disney movie, like forget it. I'm going to. Even if it's a happy moment, doesn't matter what it is. I get all choked up and emotional, but it seems like for me, like that's normal or more normalized for me to be able to do that. And to be honest, like, uh, I'm not sure. Like I grew up in a household of boys too, pretty much, but I, I know for sure. I never see my dad cry. My two brothers. Yeah, I guess I've seen some of them cause they're very expressive. Um, but it, it's, if they were just to bust out crying from watching a Lilo and Stitch, I think it'd be a little bit different than if it were me, right? Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> but let's talk about that. Like, what's the difference yeah, well, that, there? That's where you have to ask, uh, why is, why is that different? Yeah, exactly. What, what, what is it that makes that different? Where does that come from? You know, like, why is it, why is it just normal that it's okay for a woman to cry at cartoons? But as a, if a man cries, it's like, oh, there's, you know, that's weird. Why is mm -hmm. that weird? That's what you have to look at. You know, it's not, mm -hmm. it's not really why is he not crying or you know it's like why is why do people get upset or shocked when he does cry you know what i mean what is because that's the reason why he's not doing it you know what i mean mm -hmm. um so that's what you have to we kind of look at that so like i was i was gonna i was wondering with your with your children is there has there been a time where you feel where you felt like you wanted to cry in front of them you know uh, i think so for sure i mean uh you know, some of my close family members went through a lot of health scares or, or serious health conditions, you know, and we never really told them. And I think I never really told them like exactly what was going on because I didn't want to show that vulnerability and that there was something wrong and it's scary and unknown. Um, but yeah, I remember, you know, just mentioning to them, like after we knew that they were in the clear and they were going to be okay, mentioning to them. And I remember like, tearing up a little bit and trying not to look at them mm -hmm. as I finish my sentence, you know, and I, I don't know what it is. If it's like the feeling of being weak in front of your family, you're supposed to be strong and protective and things like that. And then just to, you know, let them know that this is what's going on, but at the same time, not showing them that I'm feeling emotional mm -hmm. about it. But yeah, it's, it's definitely something to think about. It's like, why, why, you know, growing up, I don't, I don't remember ever seeing my father cry for anything, yeah. you know? including when my grandfather died, you know, like I, I'm positive when the time comes, I will be crying mm -hmm. when I hear the news about my father. But for him, it was just like, 
completely nonchalant, like, oh yeah, he's dead. You know, I find that's very common for the older generation. Mm -hmm. They don't know uh, that feeling. I mean, we, we can have an idea of where, where that comes from, mm -hmm. you know, who's telling them that they weren't allowed to show their feelings. Where does that come from? You know? And then like, we know about the trauma, mm -hmm. but I think for, for children, I think another thing that I don't have any children yet, I don't know if Tay is going to hear this, but, um, <laughs> But I would want to make sure that they don't feel like, uh, I don't want them to worry. Mm -hmm. So maybe if I was going to cry in front of them, that's what would happen. So I'm, gonna, I'm just not going to show them. I don't want them to worry. But I think it's different in the sense of uh, if I'm crying because I feel emotional about like a movie or something. Mm -hmm. But for men, it's just don't even cry like ever, mm -hmm. right? So. Well, that's it. Me and my boys laugh at my wife when she's crying. We're like laughing at her like, what are you crying about? It's a movie, you know, but we're all like just like laughing at her. And, you know, that's what kind of what we do, you mm -hmm. know. But at the same time, like I know my sons are emotional when they're watching a mm -hmm. movie about a dog or this or that. And they start, mm -hmm. you could tell like they want to cry and they don't. And it's already ingrained into them. Like you're not, mm -hmm. you're not supposed to, mm -hmm. you know. And you, and you, you said, you said emotions, you didn't, mm -hmm. you, you sort of brought it beyond crying and i think mm -hmm. that's maybe something that's important here because it's yeah it feels to me like it's it's not even it's not even just about that like there's all sorts of emotions that aren't getting mm -hmm. shown and and there's one that is constant and it's the anger mm -hmm. sure. <laughs> you know that's the one that shows up but mm -hmm. all the other ones are are, are much more subtle in, in in my case and and it makes me think of this thing that i've just listening to recently Bell, Bell Hooks, I don't know if you know, know her as a writer, and she's talking about the mask in masculinity. Mm. Mm. Wow. And uh, it, just, it just resonates so much for mm. me. You know, there mm. is either it's, whether it's implicit or explicit, there is this sense of not having permission. Mm. And I don't even, you know, you're talking about, Walter, you're talking about like sort of speaking to yourself. And, mm. and, and I, I noticed that it's not even conscious you know, mm -hmm. like I can feel the tears go up and then they just go away. Mm -hmm. And I haven't even said anything to myself. It's mm -hmm. like a part of me knows that that's just not, not supposed to happen. Well, I, I think that also brings up the fact of, of men don't like working on themselves and their mental health. And they just feel like it's all right to be angry all the time. Or that's how you, that's the emotion you always show, right? Is that you're angry, you know, and you don't necessarily know why or you take it too far sometimes with your, your kids and you're yelling and then you're like, okay, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? You know, and you never go back and say you're sorry, you know? And like, that's like I brought up in the brainstorming is that I don't remember my father ever saying sorry for anything, you know, even though I knew he, he was, mm -hmm. but he just never said it, you know? And he's probably going to be like, why did you talk about me in this <laughs> day? You know, but, but it is what it is. And, and that's what we model ourselves after, right? It's our fathers and our uncles and our things like that. And, and that's how you learn to parent, right? Is from your parents. So I know like my father was, when he was growing up, there was a lot of tragedies in the community. Like today's day and age, there's a lot of tragedy. And for them, he said it was every weekend, somebody was dying, somebody their age, somebody they knew, somebody went to school with. He witnessed a lot of people, like a lot of cousins a lot of cousins of ours that that uh passed away and he's like that's why i don't go to mm -hmm. i don't go to funerals you know um because he doesn't want to make that connection and become emotional you know just to shut yourself off it's work it's it's hard mm -hmm. it's harder you know it's like it's funny that a lot of men they don't want to work on themselves and they'd rather build a porch outside or fix the roof or some but it's 
it's harder work to work on yourself to be honest you know it's uh easy to go outside put on show them, you know what i mean put nails on the board mm-hmm. and just not deal with anything than it is to sit down and say i have something's going on with me right now i don't know why i start yelling at people all of a sudden you know somebody drops something on the floor and i'm losing it right now like it's not normal mm-hmm. you know but uh because my, my father was uh ricky radical was his nickname and he was he was very uh much the same way he was very didn't talk about emotions or anything and he was very loud mm-hmm. i was um no i mean coming from ganawage he was somebody that would say blame the government for a lot of things mm-hmm. and you know they I mean, it's very common for people to talk about that here and say, they, we, we're owed this, we're owed that, we've been taking this, we've been taking that, you know. And the thing is, even if it's all true, it's not good, uh, it's not good energy to hold on to all the time, you know. Mm-hmm. Because I remember I had to disconnect with him because, like, I was, um, I was just starting to do my gym thing, you know. I discovered going to the gym was something good for myself and... And then I was really getting into it, learning, studying, and all these things to getting better at it. And then I guess I got a certain level of confidence where it was very hard for me to tolerate the conversations him mm-hmm. because of that energy. And it was just, I understand what you're saying, but uh, there, there has to be more mm-hmm. to life than just being angry all the time, you know? So that's, uh, I guess that's where it came in. I, I discovered this new, and I, I, I'm literally teaching it at the gym, like, believe in yourself. Eh? You didn't get it today. Guess what? It's okay. You know, I'm not going to get mad at you. Nobody here is mad at you. Nobody's judging you. Mm-hmm. But we, we, a lot of, a lot of people in, in Ganawage grow up like that. We're afraid to make one little mistake mm-hmm. or else. Well, that's, that's one thing I, I, I catch a lot with coaching is that a lot of boys specifically will not try something. Exactly. They will not try because they don't want to look dumb you don't by failing. Fail. You know, you know and I said, you're never going to learn if you don't try something new. Try it, try it, you know, and that's one of the hardest things I, I find with, with coaching, specifically in town, is we have so much talent and so much uh, opportunities, mm-hmm. but they don't want to put the work in. They mm-hmm. just try and rely on natural talent, talent you know, yeah. and you look at how many, how many kids could go far or play in Division mm-hmm. One lacrosse and this and that, and they're putting the work in to do it. You know, it's not just straight talent. But it's just to get out of that, that mind frame and, and to actually move out of the community to mm-hmm. pursue something and then come back, you know. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what I tell all, all uh, the kids I'm coaching is that, you know, go out, go get an education, go do this, go do that, and then bring it back to the community, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, learn something and bring it back. And that's one of the things that's, that's difficult I find is, is they don't have the confidence to try something. They don't have the confidence to move out of the community and go to school yeah. or, you mm-hmm. know, it's not just sports, you know, it's, it's other things and they're just too afraid to try it, mm-hmm. you know. What you're, what you're both saying is making me think of like, I'm just bringing it back to this emotion thing is like how contained we're asked to be, mm-hmm. you know, and that has a lot to do with control. And so you're asking someone to try something new. That's, that's mm-hmm. like going into the unknown, which is the same as like being vulnerable, going into the unknown and all of a sudden like this sense of control is sort of evaporated and, and, you know, if that's the way that you've had to be to survive, then you're not going to go. Sure. You're not going to do that. Like, you know, we're talking about fathers and my father, I was talking to, about him the other day. Like he's a stone. Mm-hmm. He's a stone. Like my mother, my, when my mother died, he was like, I'm not going there. 
you know, like there's this belief that he cannot do that, mm -hmm. you know, like he's got to remain this like solid mm -hmm. being, you know, and that's like, it's like, what's going to happen if you, if you crumble a little bit, you know, it's, it feels like there's so much fear there. Mm -hmm. So I can imagine, you know, as a, as a kid, if you're asking them to do something like that, you know, reach a little bit more, mm -hmm. then there could be a lot of that fear without even knowing what it's about. Well, I, I pulled up like some actual definitions of the word vulnerability and it kind of, it's everything that you guys are saying. The first definition is the quality or state of being exposed to the possibility of being attacked or harmed either physically or emotionally. And then the second one is uh, from Brené Brown, uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure. But she also goes on to state that like vulnerability is not a weakness, but an accurate measure of exposure. So like it is, you, you mentioned that it's the unknown, right? We, we can't control the situation. It's scary to try something new. The gym is, you have to have a certain level of vulnerability to go mm -hmm. to the gym. And it's like, like as a woman, we do feel that as well like we're still you know vulnerable but it is the idea of like stoicism and being stoic and hard hardened and mm -hmm. cold and just being cut off from emotions that we see that more in Gunawage from our men here like there's that phrase the stoic indian man or the stoic native man and that comes from somewhere mm -hmm. right so yeah i guess that's just uh something that i'm becoming more aware of and i could talk about my grandfather a little bit Walter brought him up a little bit mm -hmm. <laughs> earlier because we're, we're family. So um, my grandfather, too, he's like he's 90 years old. He's been around for almost a whole century. So it's uh, just imagine all that. You better not say that to him. <laughs> <laughs> what I noticed with him is like as the years are going by, he's starting to soften up a little bit. But growing up with him, he was always like, yeah. Yeah. I remember going there at Christmas and I'm like, why are we going there? Because I was afraid to go there. Number one, his dogs were always terrifying, even though they were like <laughs> miniature. But hey, he your was... grandma's dogs were also <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, like he'd be sitting there and you're like, whoa, like he is tough, you know? And I guess you kind of have to be having that many kids. and, and Yeah, my grandparents had 10 children. Yeah. So, <laughs> and the majority of them boys, hard-headed boys, right? So. <laughs> yeah. So to go there on Christmas and like, oh man, like, what's he going to say or what's he going to do, you know? And But my view of him though, which is interesting was, yeah, he was the stoic. He would sit in his rocking chair and he'd like, like not have emotion in his face. Mm -hmm. And like, you'd see like, his, he has 30 something grandchildren and we're all just, there's no place to sit when you're there. So yeah. we're all just on the floor. <laughs> we're anywhere, anywhere people could be. And you could see I'm just watching these little kids and my, my little badass cousins just doing whatever badass kids do, like talking back and being sassy. And he'd be sitting there like, and I'm, I'm one of the older grandchildren. So I'm like, I know that look, you guys are in trouble. <laughs> but at the same time, like I, I never thought my grandfather was cold. Mm. Like I seen it as, um, well, you see that as like normal, normal for you. Mm -hmm. But I, just, do you think your grandfather, it's, it's really hard especially in Gunawagi, because a lot of, like I said earlier, a lot of our, our grandparents are the same because they've kind of all been through a lot of the same things. Yeah. But it's interesting when you go outside sometimes and you see a different culture and it's completely different, you know? So you're like, why is my, uh, yeah, my grandmother doesn't it, talk? Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, why is she not allowed to talk? You know? 
But my my view on my both my grandparents, my grandmother was like the loud one and my grandfather was the quiet, Mm -hmm. stoic one. But I seen the both of them as protective. Mm -hmm. And my grandfather was protective. And like he did discipline us as grandchildren, not like corporal punishment or anything like that. But he showed us what's right and what's wrong. And so I kind of I see that as like a form of love, too, but just maybe a more stern Mm -hmm. type of love. So to me, my grand. My grandfather's a big softy in my eyes, but no, he's clearly not. No, but, he's not. <laughs> but I guess it all depends on the relationship. But yeah. like, uh, I guess like from my point of view, when I see men who are like stoic like that, I kind of associate it with them being protective, with them looking out for the family. But why the question here is why is there that coldness or why is there that stone thing like you could still be caring and disciplined and still be emotional and have emotions but why is it like that with our men here i I think part of it might actually be like in our in our genes too we have to be Mm -hmm. uh we're protectors so we want to make sure that everybody's okay you know like if if the man isn't okay it you know it might startle the family so we have to hold it in so that everybody, you know, is okay. Like like I was saying with the kids, you don't want to show that fear or that that, you know, you know. So I, I think, but it, like I said before, there's, or like we were saying with the emotions, there's different types of types of them. You know, my grandfather was. Uh, I never met him, but I've heard many stories about him. He had the same name as me, uh, John Setegayondu Daibo, and he used to have a farm or like a big farm and uh that all he did was work all day all the time on his farm barely barely said anything to anybody um he barely spoke english just mostly mohawk and then uh when it was time to go iron work he went iron work and all he would do was just provide and whenever he was going to the table apparently he was really quiet and my whole family on the other on the other hand it was it was a different story they're they're very loud but he would just sit there so like i said it depends on the emotion too of the of the male what it where did they experience at the time are they experiencing like a sort of a bliss that's why they're quiet mm-hmm. or are they quiet because like if something's going down right now and you're quiet that's it's a different kind of emotion <laughs> you know you're shutting down because you don't want to deal with things Versus not saying anything because you're just happy, you know, it's, and I think that might be what it is, but I don't know your grandfather, so, mm-hmm. but I know I can, I can guess that's what, why my grandfather was quiet. Um, but I think a lot of, a lot of the other things too, is that, um, you know, we hear about, um, like what your, um, your father was saying, how every weekend, mm-hmm. uh, we, there used to be a death in mm-hmm. Kanawage, you know, and you look at a lot of the the psychological effects of uh, veterans and they shut down. Mm-hmm. So can we actually say that there might be some kind of uh, trauma related to the same trauma that a vet- veterans experience that we have just because we're not at war mm-hmm. doesn't mean we can't experience the same trauma as a veteran. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, you know? it's all versions of PTSD. Yeah, sure multi-generational trauma like you mentioned a while ago about parents and how fathers play such an important role yeah 
for especially for young men, but like uh, parental roles. And if like, say you have a father or grandfather that went through something like that and is suffering from PTSD, then it gets mm-hmm. you learn right from the people mm-hmm. around you. Well, I'm, I'm sure there has to be a link between residential schools and day schools and the way sure. they were treated in there and, and separated from your parents purposely, you know, and you learn how to parent from your parents, right? And if you were raised away from your parents, how do you know how to parent besides corporal punishment? And mm-hmm. you don't show this, you don't show emotion, you don't talk about this, you know, everything's a secret and, mm-hmm. you know, you grow up with that. So I, I'm sure it has a correlation with it, um, to having that sense of you know there's something going on here mm-hmm. but i'm not going to show nothing you know right and that that's the thing is that like you're 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 sort of uh, john you're talking about what might be there and it's like yeah you got to guess right so like what is being transmitted you know and the, and and can there not be other models of transmission you know like there's this sense of uh, like when you when you talked about uh, john when you talked about like the like wanting to care for like to to make the sort of family be okay. Mm-hmm. There's this sense of like, where is the father taking care of the emotional okayness of their children? You know, like I noticed that one of the things that I do, and I do a whole bunch of bad stuff that I'm not very proud of as a parent, but one of the things that I, that I noticed that I've done and it feels so minimal, but I just know that I never received this is like, I'll look at my children, just look at them in the eyes. Mm-hmm. And I'll like hold their head, mm-hmm. you know, and for no other reason than just to do that, you mm-hmm. know, and there's something that I know that's being transmitted, you know, that I never got. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, the, the, there's so much conditioning, you know, to not do these kinds of, mm-hmm. not do these kinds of things just in part because they've never been modeled to us to mm-hmm. do that, like to do it to anyone else, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Like, like even still now, like even just hugging somebody feels weird mm-hmm. like it's not normal you know what mm-hmm. i mean especially in the community you don't necessarily see parents hugging their kids mm-hmm. you know now i see it more often than not but when i was growing up you never seen that mm-hmm. anywhere mm-hmm. you know so it's it's like odd to think about like but outside of the community it was normal mm-hmm. it was normal well, well, to kiss your kids and hug them and mm-hmm. that's you know. what i'm saying it's it we're so accustomed to it that we think mm-hmm. that that's normal normal but you know when when they say um, that there's that saying where you have to change the narrative. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people they don't re- they underestimate what that means. And changing the narrative is literally the mindset that you have right now mm-hmm. might not be the right one. And you really think about it. Why is it so hard to hug somebody? Mm-hmm. Like it shouldn't be that hard if it's something good. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then you ask yourself, why am I afraid of something good? Sometimes you just break it down like that and then like you'll, you'll start crying after that, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, uh the affection. all the little things, all those little things, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, holy crap. Like, that's why like, that's actually kind of weird that, uh, when I, when I, you know, I, I, I spill a glass of water and my dad starts hitting me, mm-hmm. like, that's not good. Mm-hmm. You know, why is he getting upset? He's not getting upset at me. But if we don't learn that, we think that it's, I think it's my fault, mm-hmm. you know? So. There's all those little things, but but I think that the the recent discoveries of the of the residential schools and and the Indian day schools and like my father, uh, he he was in one. He ta- he talks about it. Well, he well, he's not here anymore, but he talked about it. My brother was at a cattery school when it was a, a day school, mm-hmm. and um, 
the way that the way that they I don't want to really go into details just because it's it's dirtying to talk about, but uh the way that they handle it is, is it's a joke joking, you know, and it's it's funny because it's almost the same way that a veteran would would talk to his his comrade on the battlefield, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? But it's like we're not on the battlefield, dude. We're at Mohawk Market shopping for lettuce. You don't gotta be like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so and then I remember my brother talked to me about something that happened before and I said he was laughing about it, you know. Like I, I changed it. I did kind of like what you said. Uh, I looked at him. I said, uh, you know, that's not okay. And I'm like, you're laughing right now at it. But, you know, it sounds kind of funny. But I'll tell you, on the other hand, it's really not okay that that happened, you know. But uh, the coping, mm-hmm. the coping mechanisms, you know. Well, and that goes out to working, right? You become a workaholic. So yeah. you don't have time to think about anything sure. else, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why you work in the fields or you go do iron or you do this and do that, right? You're constantly busy, so you don't have time to work on yourself. Right. That's your excuse, right. right? And that's why I was. I was always working and doing things like that and never really working on any of my traumas and my stuff. And then once I realized, you know, it is affecting me and my family and this and that, I started to do my thing and started talking to somebody and reaching out and working on it. And it made a huge difference, you know, and I've, I've noticed even like, not just as a parent and, and everything else, but as a, a coach, even it like changed everything. Cause I realized like some of those difficult kids might, might not have nothing at home. Sure. You know, this might be their only outlet. Mm-hmm. And that's why sports sports was that for me growing up was just an outlet to stay busy, to do something positive. Mm-hmm. And a, a lot of kids don't have that opportunity, mm-hmm. you know, uh, getting back to what you were saying, John earlier about how, Men, instead of, you know, taking a minute to really think about what's bothering them, they tend to go towards something like fixing a porch or some kind of physical, external Mm -hmm. physical thing. They go to the gym, they Mm -hmm. go for a run, they go and those are all great things, but it's still a coping mechanism and it's still a distraction Mm -hmm. and it's still taking away from possibly finding a solution and being more mindful. So like, do we need some kind of a balance or how can we change this what's happening what we're seeing right now where instead of you know reaching for a hammer <laughs> or for a beer at the legion like <laughs> like how do we turn that into like like something mindful or something creative i think like, the first thing would have to be what we're doing right now talking well people have to know that it's something mm-hmm. instead of continuing and just whatever it's normal mm-hmm. you know it's something and it's it's like a red flag comes up hey that's not good we have to look at that now mm-hmm. you know um i think that's the first thing but like not a lot a lot of people talk about it and unfortunately or inconveniently men don't talk about it enough mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it's always the women telling the men how they have to work on themselves you know which is a good thing in my opinion but sometimes you just got to listen man you know like, and you know, if you're, if you're somebody, you know, again, picture that if you're somebody that always has to be working, you know, and, uh, you're a hard worker, you know, and this is something that the men will take as a challenge, a hard worker, you know, well, let let me see you sitting in a room by yourself or for an hour and think about what you're doing and see if you can do it. You know, you want to be a tough guy, mm-hmm. try it, start thinking about everything. And, and, you know, it's not only work, but we'll see men go to drugs. To ignore that, we'll mm-hmm. see uh, men go to alcohol. To ignore that, we'll see men jump around with different. They'll marry different women. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different things that, that men do 
to escape that. But I think a lot of it, personally for me, is we're not used to the sense of peace. It's not supposed to be peaceful yet. Mm-hmm. We grow up knowing that it's not. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not, we've been, like I said, you know, there's, uh, there's all this stuff that has happened to us throughout history and it's not, it's not over yet, right? Yeah, and the, so. no, and the normal is to <laughs> not feel feelings mm-hmm. or your feelings don't matter, they're not valid. Mm-hmm. You know, to not feel appreciated. Like, like I keep thinking of, as we're talking that Chris Rock, he did a quote and he was like saying um, on stage, he's like, you know, only women, children and dogs are loved unconditionally and men have to earn it. Mm-hmm. And there's always a condition to it. You have to be a provider. You mm-hmm. have to be strong. You have to be this. You have, there's always something you have to be in order to get it, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I think back and I'm like thinking like, that's, that's actually true, you know? Like, but you know what's funny about that? Who's the one that puts the pressure on themselves for that? Mm-hmm. The men. It's the men mostly that do that. Mm-hmm. I feel like I have to do this. Meanwhile, your wife's telling you like, dude, chill. We're good. Mm-hmm. But you're like, no, I got I to gotta do something more. I got to do something better. You know, and, and I think it's just it might be a genetic makeup too to provide and keep going. But when it comes when it becomes toxic, that's when it's an issue, you know, <laughs> the mask of masculinity comes back. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, that's right. what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'd so I'd like to hear sort of like coming back to your your question, uh, Marina, I'd like to I'd like I, I'd actually like to hear sort of what you're you, what you were speaking about just now, John, like just us here, you know, how. How has this affected us? You know, if, if people need to know it's a thing, mm-hmm. then can, can we tell them how it's been a thing? Like, how has it been a thing for us okay. to, to, to have to be this kind of masculine, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I have a, a little example. Some of the youth that I'm working with, kind of another reason why I was brought on is to have a positive male role model because they, most of them never had one. Um, so I brought up like at work, like, Hey, I want to, you know, get some fishing rods and, and bring, bring them out and, and go fishing. And, and that's when you kind of get the most out of people's when you're either sharing food together or, or doing something different outside of a cubicle or whatever, you know? So I asked one, you know, like, Hey, do you want to go fishing? And he's like, you know what? I, I'm too afraid. And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, are you afraid of water? Like, you know, what, what, what's the deal? And he's like, I, I don't know how to fish. He's like, I've, I've never had a father to show me how to fish, you know? And I was like, Thinking back, like, that's all I did with my dad <laughs> is go fishing, you know, and if he wasn't there, I was fishing by myself, you know, and then, you know, it hit me like some people have no father figures at all in their life, or maybe the only ones they have are the ones that are hitting them or yelling at them or this or that, you know, and, and then that's when I knew like, okay, like, you know, something's got to change. But that's the issue is, like you said, they, they either turn to work full time or they're on turning to drugs and substances and things like that to cope with their stuff. And they're not really putting themselves out there, you know? So there's like a, I guess a bit of a disconnect with parents of a certain generation. I think it's a little bit changing now, like younger, younger fathers are maybe more involved or more mm-hmm. emotionally connected Definitely, to their children. Yeah. But like, I guess fathers of a certain generation, there's always a mm-hmm. disconnect, right? Because of emotions, masculinity. Mm-hmm. I think there is a big change because a lot of talk I have with my friends, they're like, I'm, I'm afraid to mess up because if, let's say we break up, we always know the women are going to get the kids, you know, and maybe that's not the best situation. So they're even afraid to like, they're like kind of walking on eggshells in their relationship mm-hmm. just because they know it's always a possibility, you know, and that's, just, it's a scary thought to think like, 
what if I didn't have my kids, you know, mm. like wh what would I be, mm. you know, I'd, I'd be, you know, lost, you know? So like, it's even hard for me to go away for work. Cause they're all complaining. Like, how come I can't go with you? And I'm like, cause I'm working, you know, like I'm going in a boring car house all day. Like you don't want to be there, but you know, I, I come home and it's, uh, you know, they're happy to see me and then they're off doing their own thing, you know? But yeah, it's, it's that whole, the whole situation really is that, you know, you're, you're scared to lose your kids if, if you talk back or you get an argument or everyone knows, oh, if something happens, she's going to call the cops and right away, I'm going to be the issue. I'm going to be one that's locked up, even though I didn't hit her or she hit me. And it's just, you know, that, that fear that, you know, this is what could happen, you know, and this is known for, to everyone, you know, it's mm -hmm. a, it's a normality that this is what, what the outcome would be. So yeah, that's like even another mask you have to wear because you're not being can't really be not yourself like at that point. Genuine, like you are genuine in your feelings for your kids, but you're still walking on eggshells. Mm -hmm. That's that's something, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, you can only do that for so long until you something breaks, right? Mm -hmm. And I mean, breaking doesn't have to be can be many different things. Like in that example again, like once I'm done work this week, I'm going to the bar, and you won't see me until Sunday. Mm -hmm. You know how many how many men are do we know like that in Ganawage? You know, mm -hmm. and part of the reason I think, well, like there's many different reasons why people have their, their traumas and their issues. But uh, in that case, it's like, um, I don't want to deal with that right now. I want to deal with it. I, like I've seen people in relationships like that. And it's like, it's like we were saying, you can't be genuine. It's like, you can't be yourself, you know, then where does that go? You know, it's not. And really... that goes back to that hardness that you mm -hmm. have to kind of keep and back to vulnerability again. It's like. I think there's a whole nother dynamic there though, too, because yeah. now you're involving the woman, yeah. you know, because it's not just one person. If you think it's just one person, mm -hmm. then that's a problem. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, imagine the pressure on that person. Right. But, uh, unfortunately there's some people who obviously they have to split up and things like that, but, uh, that's a whole nother topic. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I think that 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 hit a super serious note. Everyone's just like well, was, that's <laughs> having real, a thoughtful though. moment. Yeah. That that's is real. like it's a, it's, is. A, it's a real it's a it's a very real thing to feel like. Well, I don't like I said I don't have kids, um, but the way that I see myself in that sense is I still have my mother and she's older. And for me, one of the things that I've decided with my life is that I don't want her to have her ever worry about me. If anything, I want her to know that I can take care of other people. Mm -hmm. So kind of like what I do is, is relative in that sense. And it's really cool because I literally, my gym is right next to her house. So it works out pretty good. Mm -hmm. But also I have sisters, I have brother, I have nieces, I have nephews. And the, something that I've tried to practice for myself is if that male sense is going to take over for me, this is the way that I can do it. I can make sure that if any of them need me, I'll be there for them mm -hmm. and, I, and, I, and I can do that, you know, but that's like, um, I found that that I had to really teach myself. Like, you know, I talk about going, I have the gym and all that stuff. Well, a little bit about myself growing up, I guess I started getting really into my, my training and my exercise and fitness and health and all this stuff. It's not just about obviously physical fitness, but your overall health when I was in high school and, uh, that was one of probably one of one of these things that my my father had uh, taught me. That was actually our way of bonding, you know. So if I can say that he did something good, it was it was it was that. And there's a lot of good things that he did, but that was my uh, that was like I said, that's how we bonded, you know. 
I started getting into it and I noticed that there wasn't a lot of, uh, there wasn't really a lot of males at my age even thinking of doing something like that. And, and I was going to KSS at the time. If anything, I would be made fun of a lot. You know, it's like I, I have to hide it. You know, like we we're saying, I didn't want to tell anybody that I was taking care of myself because I thought it was a bad thing, mm-hmm. you know, which, which now I tell people and I'm like, you see how silly that sounds, right? Like I'm, I'm sitting there eating a salad and somebody's making fun of me for eating a salad. Like what's going on here? You know what I mean? That's not good. Mm-hmm. You want me to be eating something that's going to be bad for me? Is that the way that, you know? So anyways, I had to train myself to start thinking differently. Like that's not okay that people are calling you down for that, you know? And I was very fortunate to have my mother. My mother's like, uh, well, your, your sister knows my mother, you know, mm-hmm. she's uh, one of a kind. Karina knows my mother, you know, and she was, I would say that she was my guide. You know, she told me that, uh, like, it's okay to be vulnerable, mm-hmm. you know, as a man, it's like, that's the first thing you don't want to be. But then as I started getting more open about and being comfortable about my difference from other people, which was like, who else is taking off their shirt, looking in the mirror at themselves? That was there are certain names that people would call you for doing that you mm-hmm. know, at the time. And this was a point where even I wouldn't tell my close friends that I was into it this much, you know. And it was funny because I had my friends come to my house and I have at the time there's no Instagram or Facebook. Yeah. yeah. But I had a stack of magazines and it's all buff men on the covers. Eh? So they're like, dude, uh, what's going on? I'm like, it's, I'm, it's muscle magazines, it's fitness magazines, you know. And uh, I just kind of have to whatever, you know, say what you want. But at the time, I, you know, one way I can put it is that I used to be made fun of for the things that I, I was doing. And now I knew down the road people were going to ask me to show them because I found something that was good. But the, the hardest part about it is you have to be open. You have to be willing to fail. You have mm-hmm. to be vulnerable. Like I have to be, if I, if like Karina said earlier, if I go into the gym and there's something I can't do today, I got to deal with the fact that I can't do it today. But the beautiful thing about it is I can try again tomorrow, mm-hmm. you know, but some people, they think that it's, it's over or at least it's a sense of that, you know, so that over and over and over and over again, teaching it to Karina, teaching it to a lot of other community members, teaching it to the teens, to the elders, telling them that there's, there's another day. And then what's really cool about it now is that if it's not strong, I would ask the men to come and try to do what I do and see if they can do it without, without passing out, you know? But this is, it's different. The, the way that I was thinking, I found from, from other kids in high school, you know. Uh, but I was able to kind of see that at an early age, I guess, where if this is the way that everything is going, I don't want to be a part of it. I want to I wanna change uh, and do something different. Like I said, my father's name was Ricky Radical, and he was, uh, he was a tough guy. He was really hard to be around sometimes. And as much as I uh, had a hard time getting along with him, like, I love him for that, you know. He taught me a lot, you know, it's, uh, it was hard, it was hard, but I, but I was able to see those things happen, you know, now, like, like, why do you got to be a tough guy all the time? You're ordering a coffee at Dudamaz and you're, you're raising your voice. Like, this isn't the time to be tough, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's silly sometimes, but this is what I mean. Like, I think that we have to not take it like the change. It's not like when you tell that to a guy, they think you're trying you're attacking them, mm-hmm. you know? You don't have to be like that. Well, what do you mean? Like, I'm just telling you, you don't have to be like that right now. You know, you're like, or like, um, it's okay to cry or it's okay to have emotions or like one thing that when I started my gym, 
was that all the men that would come in, I noticed that basically how, how it works in my program is there's a workout written that everybody does that comes in the gym today. So one of the things that everybody has to learn is how to break it down so that they can do it. The thing about that is that not everybody can do the same thing. So the first thing you have to do is open up and be vulnerable and say, I can't do that. Right. And for men to do that, mm -hmm. like, Jesus, you know what I mean? I was sweating just watching them try, try to think about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. but, I, but you know what happens when, when, you, when you do something that you shouldn't do? They're doing everybody. All the guys have to do the heaviest weight just because because you're a man. Right. <laughs> like, but guess what, man, your shoulders going to it's going to make you pay for that. You know, like your body is going to tell you that you're not doing something right. Mm -hmm. So then, you know, that's what I was saying earlier. Now we can go back. All right. Go sit in that room for an hour and think about what you can do to not do that again. And you got to open up. You got to be vulnerable. You got to say maybe you don't have to say it out loud. But maybe you got to bring their weight down. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember I had a conversation one time with one of the men at the gym. And the way that I see these guys at the gym is like they're my brothers. I talk to them like that, whether they like it or not, you know. And he has a son that made it to the NLL, the mm -hmm. pro lacrosse, you know. I said, you must feel good about it, you know. He's, just, he's sitting there. And he, very quietly, he's like, yeah, it feels pretty good. I'm like, why are you saying it? Like, but tell everybody, bro. Like, yeah. come on. <laughs> But it, I know but exactly it, who you're talking about. You know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> yeah. But that's how he is, right? Yeah, he's quiet to begin with, yeah. But then you ask, why? Mm -hmm. Like, why is he like that? Mm -hmm. Because I would be jumping, you know what I mean? I'd be telling everybody mm -hmm. that my son is a pro lacrosse player. I know not many people are going to believe him, but that's okay. Like, that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. so, so where does that sense come in now where I can't be vulnerable, even when it's something that's absolutely gorgeous mm -hmm. you know that's that's where i that's where i was like all right i'm drawing the line here because that doesn't make any sense like you're saying i can't be proud of this of good things mm -hmm. especially when we talk about we're supposed to be a supportive community then mm. i'll let you handle that by yourself but i'm going to be proud of it you know what i mean so what i'm hearing <laughs> right now is that it's like a spectrum of emotions sure and the only emotions that men are typically allowed to feel allowed quote allowed is anything to do with anger <laughs> or um, yeah, anything over the red line yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anything to do with strength <laughs> those are okay you're allowed competitiveness you're allowed to feel that because those are mm -hmm. those are what no i don't even know how to describe those well that's that's the more visual and, and physical like when you're strong in those emotions it's uh intimidating it, nobody wants to mess with you. Yeah. Aggression. So, so you, you come off, you know, it's like... A, it's the aggression, yeah. It's like when I had a rooster with my chickens, <laughs> you know, like no, no, nobody wants to mess with him because he looks like he's going to attack you. Mm -hmm. So you imagine a male human at that level. But the thing is, we're not roosters, you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. we're not supposed to so do So then that. every other emotion on that spectrum, so whether it be happiness, pride, mm -hmm. sadness, empathy, whatever, those are kind of a, mm -hmm. a no-go. But another thing that I'm aware of sitting here is that I'm sitting here with a bunch of people who are trying to change this cycle mm -hmm. of what it is. Because every single one of you have all stated that you are not trying to be so stoic in, mm -hmm. with the people in your lives. I think it's difficult also, like as a community, when you talk about somebody like going to 
the pro lacrosse, you know, it's something to be proud of as a community and, mm-hmm. and, you know, as a parent and stuff like that. But we all know in this community when something is positive and something's good, there's always somebody that complains about sure. it or says something about it, you know? So you got to do that little whisper like, yeah, I'm proud of them. You know? Because <laughs> you don't want everybody yeah. to know because you yeah. know somebody's going to say something, yeah. right? And and me and my buddy were actually just talking about this and, and about the, the, the community of like... It's known in the community that, like, if we're not making fun of you, then we don't like you, you mm-hmm. know? But again, that's not cool. That's not the way you should be. Mm-hmm. But as a community, it's accepted to make fun of somebody yeah. and this and that. Even if you are joking, it's mm-hmm. that's how we do it, you yeah. know, as a community. Um, because I remember going to high school in Billings and, you know, we're making fun of somebody and they're like, why are you bullying me? And I'm like, we're literally yeah. not bullying you. Like, you're, you're one of us, you know, yeah. like you're one of our boys, you know? And they're yeah. like, no, I didn't feel like that, you know, yeah. and I'm like, well, you're not from town. You don't get yeah. it, you know, but right. yeah, it's, it's something, it's something like, you know, and then like you said, you got to kind of whisper that you're proud of something mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. somebody's going to say something about it. Mm-hmm. And, and then we, and then we can talk about, well, how do you change that narrative? Well, you do it. Mm-hmm. You just keep doing it until that becomes the normal. But a lot of people are afraid to do that, which I find ridiculous because mm-hmm. I think that you should be proud you know but the thing is you could also understand that when somebody's not happy for you when you're proud it's not really again it's not you mm-hmm. they might be thinking about themselves and something that they've not done so it's funny because then you could even say well i've done something let let's look at something that you can do and then a community is born mm-hmm. you know from there but uh we're not uh, I, I know that i know that we like to be, we believe and we still have that strong sense of community here mm-hmm. An example of that is one thing I talked about before where at my, uh, my gym, somebody had their kid there. They're, they're, uh, they must have been four years old or something like that. And uh, my, my friend was across the street at the park, you know, and I said, you know, it's, we were talking about this too, like community and how we're connected and all those things. And I said, you know, what we have that a lot of people don't realize that's very powerful is that if I had my son here and my friends across the street, I can say, you want to go play at the park? Yeah. So-and-so is there. Go ahead. I don't got to worry. We don't really realize how strong that is. The fact that we have that here as a community, but there's so much more dynamic to a healthy community than just that. Mm -hmm. And one of them is learning how to say, I'm happy for you. Mm -hmm. I feel good about myself. You know, you say that in front of certain people and they'll they'll kick you out of the house here. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah, it's this, this uh, joke about fried bread that I was telling Karina. She can't get enough of it. <laughs> uh, but uh, <laughs> but basically, it's like, you know, everybody eats fried bread here. Mm-hmm. And I don't like it. And people ask me, oh, John, what do you mean? You don't like it, right? I'm from Gunawaga. I have to. There's certain things you have to do. Um, I said, because it makes me feel like fried bread after I eat it. You yeah. know, I don't want to do anything. <laughs> And then uh, it's like, well, you're supposed to feel like that. I'm like, what do you mean I have to feel like that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just a funny joke that kind of relates to that. You're supposed to. That's just how it is, mm-hmm. you know. But, but I mean, the younger generations now, they're talking about changing the narrative and they're becoming more aware of that there does have to be uh, something that's changing, you know. Well, again, going back to that fry bread thing, right? It's the ingredients that they gave us to sure. survive on, yes. right? Create whatever you can create out of, of that and eat it. And, and that's, that's what you're going to like. A lot of people don't know that though. And it's, this, and it's the same with our emotions, right? Mm-hmm. This is what they gave us. Yes. This is what you do. This is how you feel. Sure. And that's it. Exactly. And you have to accept it. Why right? not? 
why wouldn't it be? Mm-hmm. You know, because sometimes we do that and we say, ah, you know, that couldn't be what it is. But if somebody is telling you that you can't, you know, you talk about these stories in the residential schools and the day schools. And then even, um, you know, I have a, an older woman in my class and she said that in the 70s, you didn't want to be, you didn't want to be native. Mm-hmm. So imagine that now, like, you know, you're, you're, you said earlier about uh, what was it now in uh, school, your grandfather or something, or was it your father? Or maybe, no, it was something else. But what came up was um, you were taught this, you were taught that in the day schools or mm-hmm. whatnot. And you're taught how to do this, now you're taught how to do that. But the whole time you're being told that you're not supposed to be this anymore. Mm-hmm. And like, if you think that that doesn't have a psychological effect on somebody, you're wrong. You know, mm-hmm. now I have to completely convince myself that my genetic makeup is wrong, mm-hmm. you know, and then we wonder why these, uh, these anger issues come on. We wonder why we don't want to talk. Maybe it's not the con, maybe lack of confidence. Mm-hmm. Maybe the reason why we're afraid to fail is because we already lost so much that, uh, we're afraid to lose something else, you know? Well, I brought up to my buddy that I was supposed to be on this podcast and what it was about. And, you know, it's like, what's it about? And I'm like, oh, it's about male and, and vulnerability and stuff. And he's like, why would you want to do that? He's like, you know, everyone's going to call you down. I'm like, I, I don't care. Like, mm. it's like, who's all right though, to like be vulnerable. People, like you know what I mean? People. Yeah. Like, I'm like, who cares? <laughs> yeah. Because I'm sure there's somebody that's going to be listening. Like, you know what? Like, it's sure. true. You know, mm-hmm. like, why am I the way I am? I you feel know? like there would be more people listening in that way than there would be in the other way that you're, yeah. that you're worried about. You yeah. Know? I kind of have a feeling that people are going to be listening to this, like, (laughs) in private, in secret, (laughs) under the radar. Yeah, Yeah, nobody's going to be like, you guys share on Facebook. Uh, You guys Like, I'm going to share the hell out of it, but, like, (laughs) for sure, people are going to be listening to this, Mm -hmm. like, in headphones or Mm -hmm. something. And I hope people really do, Mm -hmm. because we talked about a whole bunch of stuff. Like, I have a sheet of paper in front of me, and without me even having to prompt it, like you guys literally touched on everything that's on this paper and there's more, there's so much more that could be brought up about this topic for sure. Um, but again, as, as a woman listening, sitting here listening, I mentioned before that I grew up around boys, (laughs) around boys and men. I have two brothers. My, my father passed. So it was just my mom, but my mom grew up with eight brothers. So she's like a tomboy. (laughs) And then my, my nieces and nephews are mostly boys again. So I had a lot to do with um, childcare and everything else with my boys. So it's like I have eight uncles. There's probably more boy, whatever. I'm around boys all the time, but I never have this kind of conversation with them, even though that majority of my family are men. And even with my brothers, like we've, we've all grown up in the same situation and we've never once on this kind of level and yeah. I don't know if it's because I'm a woman and I even asked in that first the preliminary meetings if it was an appropriate space for me to be a part of mm-hmm. like if the guests would feel comfortable talking about the stuff in front of me because I am a woman and since the first point was vulnerability around women would that cause people to close up and not want to talk and the answer was no like everyone said no you, sh- you need to be there there has to be a balance mm-hmm. And like, I, I hope that I was able to serve that balance for you guys. And I just want to thank you for sharing everything that you shared in front of me, because I'm also learning too, because like I said, the men in my life don't talk to me mm-hmm. like this. So 
it's uh i don't know if that's the case for a lot of women out there but like brothers siblings aunts uncles whoever we don't talk like this Mm -hmm. so um i think what we're gonna do is we're gonna close up this conversation with this like i said there's lots more to discuss so in the future if this topic if we feel like we need to bring this back and talk a little bit more specific about some things we totally can but i just want to say thank you Mm -hmm. no problem and you guys are change makers and i hope you realize that and keep going your your kids and future children they're they're going to be learning from you guys Mm -hmm. so i think that's amazing and i hope other women also listen with the same intent of actually listening and absorbing there might even be more women listening than than men maybe because this is all the tea (laughs) <laughs> I'm they're, trying, they're trying to find out whether the boyfriend's not talking yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> i really hope i really hope that people tune in though because this is a really important conversation so with that uh does anyone have any kind of closing remarks you'd like to make or i just want to say uh thanks uh karina for asking me to come on and talk about the stuff that we we always talk about at the gym pretty much right yeah. so uh, yeah thank you for allowing me to actually get it out there a little bit more talk about uh the mentality i guess that i have and the things that i like to share my 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 thoughts on this subject at least you know but like you said we can i can talk for a lot longer on this and touch on different subjects if you guys ever want to do it again you know but thank you nyawa for getting me on here you know yo nyawa anyone else any kind of closing yeah i also thank you for this and uh there's there's this sense of uh you know like what we there's been speaking about the oppressor, you know, and this, just this recognition of how that, that has been, it's been interiorized, you know, there's the internal oppressor now and like, and there are different models, like you guys speaking, you know, it's just the evidence that there are different models or different ways of being. And like, that's the hard part is to go out and find these other models of ways of being in order to sort of release some of that internal oppressor. Um, yeah. Lots more. Lots more to talk about for sure. Lots of discussion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also want to say Nyango for for inviting me. Uh, like you said, getting it out there more, um, and then like we discussed, making sure a, a woman is present to kind of keep us on topic and, <laughs> and keep us going. Uh, there's a reason why women in our in our culture choose our chiefs and and call the shots. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it, it gives us all that balance. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, and I know throughout the, the, the podcast, I've been talking a lot about my father and stuff and, you know, I know he hasn't said it or he probably said it maybe once, maybe. Um, but I do love him and, and I'm really proud of him and how much he's, he has grown. You know, it, it, it gave me an opportunity to see that you can, you can change, you can grow, you can learn from your mistakes. Uh, even if you don't own up to them all the time or, or whatever, you know, there's always room to grow and. And they grow strength from that. And, and as a community, to have healthy men in the community, mentally, physically, spiritually healthy, is, is what's going to make us strong, you know? And I, I know a lot of people have a lot of pride in the community and we're this, we're that, we're from Ganawaga. But if we don't show emotions, we don't show who we are, then how are we showing our actual strength, you know? So that's all I want to say. <laughs> and you said about the women, it's like, I wouldn't be able to, I wouldn't have any of this thinking if it wasn't for my mother, mm-hmm. you know, she would tell me she was the, she's the boss, you know, mm-hmm. she's the one that tells me what's right, what's wrong, or at least she doesn't even do that. The way she does it is she just says, do, like, basically do what you want, 
but you have to listen to the way that you feel when you do it. Mm-hmm. And you can't, if something feels wrong, like she says, everybody knows what's wrong and everybody knows what's right. But even if they don't, even if they don't, if you can't see it in them, even if it seems like they don't know, they know, you know, but I think like we're saying with these men, we know that it's wrong to not talk about our feelings, but I'm, I'll only do it when everybody else does it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah, I was, I'm very lucky to have her and there and, and kind of open me up to that, you know. So we just got to keep, keep doing stuff like this. Just keep talking. Be the people that started so that everybody else jumps in, jumps on. Okay, so with that, we're going to uh, close up the episode. And um, thank you, everyone, for listening. And we will see you next time. Uh, the mental men's mental health series will be continuing for at least four episodes, possibly more. We're going to definitely have some more conversations coming. Um, now we'll go, everyone. Yeah. The views and opinions of the guests expressed in this podcast do not reflect those of your DWSA and its employees.